Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Hi, I'm Bill's defensive end Greg Russo, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellas on Circling the Wagons podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings podcast network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills! Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times, here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I am your host, Nate. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We have a tremendous episode for everyone. We have our draft recap episode. I am joined by Buffalo Rumblings staff writer, draft writer, Griff, to talk about the draft that went on this weekend, all the new players the Bills got. We're going to go over overall thoughts. We're going to go, uh, we're going to talk about each player, some of the trades that went on to, uh, trade away picks or to get more picks during the draft. Um, we're going to give some grades on the draft. Uh, we'll talk about, uh, some players and positions maybe we wish the Bills would have taken or not, uh, but it's going to be a fun episode. Um, always excited to have Griff on. Um, we, you heard him a couple of weeks ago when we did uh, not only uh, just draft talk in general, but we also did a mock draft together, and uh, Griff just crushed one of the drafts, or one of the picks easily, um, which he's going to, this is going to be so exciting to talk about because uh, we got this guy at a, at a better uh a better uh, uh, value than what we thought we were going to get him in the uh, in the mock draft. So uh, I'd like to welcome back Griff to uh, the Circling the Wagons podcast. Griff, how are you doing, man? Hey, thanks for having me again, Nate. Uh, it's always fun to do the recap after trying to project, and it's it being very difficult trying trying, trying to uh, project what's going to happen and then actually reacting to what happened. <laughs> yes, everything, all the work that you've been doing since the college season all culminates into one big weekend. Now, when, when you go into it, is it stressful? Is it, is it fun or is it a little bit of both? You mean, because you're writing all these opinion articles and, and you're writing your thoughts on like where you think the, the play, each player is going to fit and stuff like that. I mean, how is it for you going into uh, a draft, especially with eight picks? I mean, it wasn't like the bills are like the Rams where they trade away all their picks. Like they had eight picks. They got more picks uh, this draft. I mean, how is, how is the weekend for you as a writer? I mean, it's, it's always fun. It's, it's unpredictable. And so you just kind of go in with that thought process of, whatever they do is fine. And, and, you know, it's your job to, to judge it. Um, but yeah, they, in this particular draft, it was like, Oh my God, you know, they, they trade, they trade up, they trade down, they, they get more picks. I didn't, I didn't project this. Um, and so it's just, you know, a matter of, uh, of judging it, whether it's, whether it's, you know, something you wanted actually to happen or not. Um, so I, I view it as being fun and, and always kind of like, you know, Christmas for, People that are fans of college football and people that are college are uh, fans of the uh, the draft and everything. So it's it's kind of this is like the day after Christmas and judging whether the presents I got were were like, <laughs> what I actually wanted. Yeah, if you got like a Super Nintendo or if you got like I don't know like uh, some shirts or something, right? Like that's the, the oh yeah, no, or it was like Super Nintendo or tube socks. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I love the Christmas analogy. It, it's always like, I always equate it to Christmas as well, because this is the time of year where you get like all these new shiny, fun toys to play with. And it's just a matter of, you know, if your team can use them properly, if they can develop them properly over the next few years. And uh, yeah, it's a fun time. So, so let's go right into it. Um, the draft, the Bills had eight picks. Um, just overall thoughts, overall feelings on the draft. I know Bills Mafia, uh, Really, I think they thought that they, the Bills did a great job. Um, just looking at a Twitter poll I put up uh, earlier today, um, I asked the Bills fans, you know, what were your thoughts on the draft? I gave them four grades. I said, what, where, do you, where do you grade the Bills draft? A, B+, plus, B, and C+. C plus. And uh, most people are saying B+. Plus. We're not going to do a grades for me and you just yet because I want to do that for later. But um, everyone was pretty positive about it. Like 80% of fans were either A or B+. Plus. When you walk away from this draft, uh, you know, writing about and thinking about each player, where do you – how happy are you with the players that the Bills picked? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy, I would say. You know, uh, the, the team came into the draft not – 
needing that many positions, you know, let's be honest. And so, you know, I, I think people before the draft were talking about how, you know, they'd be satisfied if they took, you know, a corner and a punter and the team ended up taking those two things. So, you know, um, at anything beyond those two positions, those two really need positions is essentially gravy. So, you know, it, you know, people can debate the actual, the actual picks and we'll, and we'll talk about that later. But, you know, they had, the team had very few needs and seemed to satisfy those needs with, you know, reasonable selections. So, I mean, I, I don't think you can have too many arguments there. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I know we talked about this a few weeks ago, but just how Bean has put this offseason together to have only really two pretty big needs. And then beyond that, it's really just, like you said, it's, it's all gravy on top because then you're thinking about, well, you know, here's a position that they might need in a year from now. Like that's, that's it's unheard of, especially when we were younger and Bills fans, when you were just hoping that this first round draft pick could start or like this fourth rounder, we really need this fourth round linebacker to hit because we don't have any depth. So this is, this is a good time to be a Bills fan. So let's go right into um, round number one. The Bills are at pick number 25. They ended up trading up to pick number 23 to get Kair Elam. Now, right before 23, the Bills picked the cornerback that you picked in our mock draft in Trent McDuffie out of Washington. The Bills must have seen that, got a little bit scared that somebody was also going to leapfrog them at 25 and pick a corner. Uh, what were your thoughts on Kair Elam? Obviously, you wanted Trent McDuffie. We mentioned that, but, uh, but what were your thoughts on the player and did you like the pick? Yeah, as soon as as soon as the Chiefs traded up to get Trent McDuffie, I think that's when Brandon Bean said to him and got that itchy trigger trigger finger, finger blah that itchy trigger finger um, that we had, that we were talking about um, just like with our in our uh, Buffalo Rumblings chat um, that we were on is you know as soon as as soon as that happened, I think he got a little worried that you know clearly um, you know Andrew Booth was an option. But he had some some injury issues. That's why he dropped to this to ended up dropping to the second round. So that wasn't necessarily you know that wasn't necessarily on the Bills board. I think they were maybe a little bit scared off by those by those injury issues. And so you know it it perhaps um, just kind of ended up being Elam as the only first round you know corner that that the that the Bills were interested in taking. And so they said to themselves, okay, you know. We we got a little spooked by by the Chiefs trading up for McDuffie, so let's just let's just you know cut our losses and just trade up and make sure we get you know a, an actual starting first round corner um, in in Kair Elam, and you know he let's not not many people talked about him as as an actual uh, first round pick for the team, and that's and that's kind of unfair, you know I um, how the draft ended up falling for the Bills is it wasn't necessarily unexpected. You know, a lot of, I think we had, we had talked about possibly getting a, a wide receiver in the first round. I think in our mock draft that you and I did, um, we ended up getting, uh, um, who did we end up getting in the first round? We got, um, we got Trent McDuffie in the first round. Yeah, we, we got McDuffie. That's right. So, I mean, it didn't end up, it didn't end up falling that way. And that's, and that's totally understandable for a draft perspective, but, you know, talking about Elam, you know, he's, he's, from a lot of perspective, exactly what what the Bills needed is a you know bigger, fast, um, agile receiver uh, cornerback who can kind of has the ability to play press man. Played a lot of press man in college um, because that's basically what Florida did twenty four seven is just play press man and say you know you guys handle your receivers. We're gonna we're gonna take care of everything inside. Um, you know, but has the ability to play zone, you know, has the hips and has the, the kind of agility to play zone. Um, you know, he has, he has his warts. He, he's, you know, not necessarily the best tackler. Um, and his, his press technique, if you, you know, watch the tape is, is not the, not the smoothest, but in, you know, where, where the, where the bills ended up, ended up picking, um, and, you know, how the board ended up falling, he was, you know, considering the injury issues with with Andrew Booth, he was the most logical pick at that point. So I think it was it was um, very logical logical for Bean to go there, um, with the understanding that you know, um, Brees Hall was Brees Hall necessarily an option. I think that was all a lot of smoke. Um, clearly, you know, Brees Hall would have been 
would have been maybe a consideration. Um, but you know, the way the board fell where you had a, you know, logical first round, first round corner in Elam, it was just, it was the logical pick. So I think there was, there was not a lot of surprising things about that pick outside of Andrew Booth, you know, having his, his injury issues, which is something we had talked about before. Yeah. So, uh, in, in Bean's presser, um, and I, in this year I made a point to watch every single presser after day one, two, and three, just to kind of get his perspective, especially because some of them. Some of the picks I didn't quite understand at the time, and we'll get into more of those picks. This is not one of those picks. This was a very obvious pick, but he did mention, like you said, that uh, this was the last player they had with a first-round grade, and they mentioned pre-draft that they had around 20 players with a first-round grade. Um, now, who knows if he's telling us the exact truth? <laughs> you have to take. He seems he seems honest and open. I got to be honest. I love Bean's pressers. He's very as much as he can tell you. It feels like he'll tell you. Um, so him him getting scared off from Trent McDuffie at the at the at the time I was like why are you why are you trading up two places and losing a fourth round pick to get a guy that like looking back like none of those teams picked a corner now they may they may have picked a corner if they uh, if they saw but it was really the fear of somebody you know going up ahead and and taking uh, Kyir Elam away from them um, when that so I I mean in my opinion I I like the pick a lot as well and. And I was worried about that fourth round pick because in years in years and I uh, the mock draft that you did uh, in the fourth round we were going to get Matareza, <laughs> the the punter out of San Diego State. So I was like, well, there goes Matareza. Great, great job, Bean. You just traded away him, <laughs> and uh, we'll get into Matt a little bit later. Well, I mean, let's let's not get it twisted. I was I was a little bit frustrated about losing that fourth round pick because there were even even you know as how the draft played out, there were some good players in the fourth round. Um, you know, they, they could have taken Isaiah likely in the fourth round, you know, who, who I believe they had in for a visit. So let's not get it twisted. It, it was kind of a shame that they dropped that pick because that could have been someone who, you know, and, and we can talk about this, you know, towards the end is there's still needs on this team that they didn't satisfy in the draft. And one of, you know, one of those needs like interior O-line or, um, you know, tight end number, number two or three, where they still don't have any tight ends signed next year. So, you know, trading that fourth round pick was a shame. Um, and, you know, that's definitely questionable. But the player they ended up with, I think, is, you know, absolutely reasonable. I mean, you see Kair Elam from a Bills depth chart perspective is it goes Tredavious White, Kair Elam, Dane Jackson, right? Like there's no, it's very unlikely that Dane Jackson starts over Kair Elam in any way, shape, or form, right? I mean, based on what you've seen of Dane Jackson, based on what you think of Kair Elam, like it would take a lot for Dane Jackson to to become the, the CB2 on this team, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's a pre- pretty reasonable projection. Um, I do think Dane Jackson does a couple things um, differently than, than Elam in terms of his tackling ability um, that I would point out. And so that's going to be kind of maybe an interesting, you know, training camp observation. And I think, I do think the Bills kind of, value that skill um, because they're they're in nickel so much where they need to have the corners you know hold that edge and, and actually tackle runners you know think of think of Dane Jackson's play um, I think it was against the Patriots where he uh, tackled um, the running back I can't remember what it was but it was a fourth down it was a fourth down play and, and Dane Jackson tackled the running back after breaking out wide um, on, a, on a particular fourth down play and had them you know um, turnover had that turnover on downs like that's exactly what they want um, the corners to do is hold that edge you know and and when when one runners break out wide and tackle the tackle the running back to to stop those plays and it's like is can Elam do that you know can Elam make that play you know that remains to be seen but you know that's that's I think where where Jackson kind of has the has the leg up on Elam but no I mean you know in terms of coverage I, in terms of athletic ability Elam just, you know, has, is, is bigger, faster, more agile. Well, as big, I should say. Um, but faster, more agile. I think he is the, he has the leg up at, at training camp. Mm-hmm. What's, what's nice is I know we're going to spend a lot of time in the first few picks just because they're so important, I think, to the roster. But, um, Richard Sherman tweeted out, I'm not sure if you saw that. He said basically he really liked the Elam pick. He really liked Kyrie Elam in general. And he says he knows he has weaknesses, but those kinds of weaknesses that he has, can be coached out, like you said, tackling technique and stuff like that. Like they were just, and I think in his in his press conference call, he might have said 
that that's how they taught him to tackle in Florida or something to that effect that that technique was kind of taught or or whatever it wasn't like uh that these these are all my capabilities it was more like well you know this is this is what I can I I can do more so uh this was just the way that it was done in Florida so this is this is exciting um you know I like Dane Jackson a lot um but like you said you know athletic ability and stuff like that I mean there's just you can't teach speed right like there's just certain things that you know guys are amazing like I really like Dean Jackson. I like him so much more as like a depth piece. And if something happens piece, uh, as opposed to like, we need him to start from day one, um, all the time. So this is, this is exciting. I really enjoyed that pick. Like you said, they addressed one of the biggest needs. I wasn't sure that they were, I was convinced that they were just thinking, well, you know, they, they're, they're set at Tredavious White. They'll just let, you know, CB2 be, you know, a third or fourth or fifth round pick or whatever. And we'll just, you know, like they picked, a, you know, Christian Benford in the sixth round. Like, we'll just put him and Dean Jackson and compete with it. So I was very happy that they didn't do that. Yeah, I think that was one, that was one of the bigger themes of the draft of, of like really addressing their immediate needs is, you know, they, they specifically, and, you know, we'll talk about some of the, some of the other picks later, but the theme of the draft was, you know, addressing players that can play and contribute in the next year and, and the next season, you know, this coming season, as opposed to relying on, on drafts like, Oh, you know, we're going to replace this guy for the future. And maybe he doesn't play now, but maybe he plays in the future. Um, that thing is their, their selections were very geared towards, you know, first year impact in, in most cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now we move to round two, the bills trade back twice uh to get to number 63 overall in round two they draft running back james cook out of georgia uh what were your thoughts on the player and uh did you like them trading down yeah i i very much like the trade down um you could tell that as opposed to elam where he was kind of the only guy you know at least from what we've heard so sort of the only guy remaining on the board cook was more eh we have some guys that are kind of equal in talent to him, maybe at different positions, but we're comfortable trading down and picking up some some extra picks. You know, at least one of them is going to be left over. And I and I agree with that because, you know, personally, I didn't have Cook as a second round player. Um, but, you know, towards the towards the second to last pick of this of the second round. Yeah, you can kind of sell that. That's that's reasonable um, in terms of his talent. You know, he's going to be. In the best case scenario, he's going to be, you know, James White for this team or Chase Edmonds or, you know, kind of Miles Gaskin for the for the Dolphins, where like, you know, he's a third down back, but, you know, you he's exactly what you want in terms of, you know, third down or the red zone. He, you know, wants to run a wheel route and can basically outrun any linebacker. He can... Um, his route running is good enough where he can juke, he can juke and run a slant on a, on a safety and be able to beat them. Um, you know, and, and he's, he's not, you know, he's not exactly just a pass, you know, a pass receiving running back. He can also, he can also take the ball on, on screens or draws or, you know, traditional, traditional running plays maybe on outside zones. Um, so, you know, is he, he's absolutely a weapon for this team, especially a team that passes as much as the Bills do. So, you know, I, I would urge Bills fans to consider him to be more of a, of a pass catching threat. You know, if, if, if Bills fans can remember what James White was for the Patriots and how frustrating that is, um, watching James White catch passes, you know, catch swing passes out of the, from, from Tom Brady out of the backfield of getting, you know, linebackers matched up with him on, in man coverage and just running a clear out route by the, by the slot receiver and having James White catch a pass and be like, Oh, easy for first down. Oh, there's eight yards. You know, there's 12 yards because your linebacker is not as fast as our running back and not as, not as able to, to navigate traffic as, as, um, you know, as, as our running back is, you know, as, as frustrating as James White was to play against, I think, I think Cook is, you know, the Bills version of James White. And, you know, is that is that worth a low second round pick? Um, I would say so. And, you know, does I think does that selection warrant does that selection say that the that Bean, you know, considers him to be, you know, more than just a patch pass catching back? You know, does he consider him to be a, a home run threat? Obviously he has the athletic ability for that. 
you know, that I think that remains to be seen. That'll be something we track in, in training camp and track in preseason. Um, but, you know, he is he is going to be a um, surprisingly valuable piece for the team, I would say, moving forward. Yeah, I, I, I love what you said about um, just the flexibility of what he can bring on, like, like you said, I mean, more than just a third down, but especially a third down when you might have Josh Allen in shotgun. Now, what does Josh see? Does he see a position where uh, he can have him go out wide to catch a pass? Or does he want to keep him in the backfield, like run a draw play? Like you said, that's, I feel like the Bills have run almost zero draw plays, you know, the last few seasons. And, and it's like, this is, this is a perfect time to do that. Of course, they didn't necessarily have the blocking to do it up until the end of last season, but, uh, th- this, it's just an easy play that they, they just seem to have, uh, have not used. And he looks like he could be a home run threat to do that every time. And I, I guess when I was thinking running back as, uh, a drafted player, um, you know, you're thinking about Singletary in his last season as a Buffalo Bill. And you're thinking, well, we need a replacement for Singletary. And I don't know if the Bills necessarily look at it that way anymore as, you know, you need a Singletary guy except faster and better pass catcher. Like, I think they just want pieces, like offensive pieces on the field. Like, you could have a certain guy that, like, Zach Moss might have four carries and Devin Singletary might have 12 and three receptions. And, you know, like... James Cook could have, you know, five rushes and six receptions, like it's, which is very James White-esque, you know, that sort of, you know, um, that sort of stat line. But uh, I mean, I'm more excited about it than I was at the time, especially because the Bills have been trying to get this sort of player for, geez, ever since Dable took over uh, up until he left because he brought in TJ Yeldon. That didn't pan out. They brought in Matt Breda. That didn't pan out. Um, they've just been trying to get that guy. And, you know, I'm really excited. Could you see, and this is obviously, we, we have no idea. This is all pure speculation, Griff. But, like, this could be a potential where, you know, Ken Dorsey wants to use more, you know, running back passes, like you said, wheel routes and screen passes and stuff like that that Dable just kind of neglected for the last few years. I mean, I think I saw as a fan, like, hey, you know, it'd be nice to be able to run these plays. And I'm sure Ken Dorsey waiting in the wings is like, man, if I ever get a chance, like we're going to just add in a few more wrinkles like that. I mean, I know it's all speculation, but when you're looking at these picks, when you're looking at the James Cook, is do you ever get the, the sense that like, okay, Ken Dorsey's kind of putting his his footprint on this uh, this Bill's offense now? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's you talk about what's easier in this, what what's easier for Josh Allen kind of. and you know, Cook being a, being a pass catching, you know, running back is the easiest thing is the most quarterback friendly thing um, that you can possibly provide to Josh Allen. You know, what's, what's easier waiting for, you know, Stefan Diggs or um, Gabe Davis to uncover, you know, what the, at the second level or third level of the defense, or is it just easier to just have say to, you know, Isaiah McKenzie or let's, or, uh, you know, uh, Jameson Crowder or Khalil Shakir, just, just run a slant route, run coverage over there, run a pick play. And, you know, James Cook, you run, you run a wheel route, you run a, um, clear out route and just, just have Josh Allen toss you the ball on third and three. Bam. Easy first down, you know, easy touchdown. It's just, it just, you know, provides options for the offense. Um, and things, you know, um, you know, this, the offense, the, um, Earhart Perkins offense is all built on option routes. And so that's exactly the type of routes you want Cook to run is, you know, you're lined up and you know, it's man, you know, you run, you run a motion and you find out that it's man coverage. You run James Cook against any linebacker and have him uh, choose the route he's going to run against the leverage that the linebacker is, you know, sitting at in terms of man coverage. I mean, that's an easy first down. That's an easy, that's an easy 10 yard gain. That's an easy 12 yard gain, maybe even more considering uh, Cook's athletic ability. So yeah, I mean, you know, and being quarterback friendly, I think that's this is, you know, an example of Dorsey having more um more weapons to work with and and maybe putting his stamp more on or on the Bills offense in terms of running screens and and you know, types of routes like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, now we run to round 3, pick one or pick number 89. We have Terrell Bernard, linebacker out of Baylor. What were your thoughts when the Bills uh, when the Bills chose him? Yeah, so I think a lot of people were seeing that Tremaine Edmonds was going to be on the you know his final year of his rookie deal, 
and saying, okay, well, you know, if we're not going to resign him, we need to replace him with someone. So, you know, looking at, looking at selections like Leo Chanel, who was available at the time. Um, but obviously the bills went with Bernard who, you know, really, really fun to watch player, you know, go, go turn on his Baylor tape. And it's, it's, you know, he's, he's a, he's a missile, um, for the, for that defense, for the bears defense there. And so, you know, but when you, when you look at his body type, when you look at his, at his, uh, combine, you know, measurables, he is essentially a Matt Milano clone. And I think a lot of, a lot of people have commented on this of, you know, similar height, similar weight, similar speed. Bernard's a little bit faster um, in terms of his 40 time. Um, but, you know, strikingly similar players. Um, and obviously, you know, Milano was a fifth round pick. Bernard's a third round pick. Um, but so I so it ended up that the Bills were going this direction in terms of their linebacker um, room. And, you know, the, it's questionable as to why they went this direction. But, you know, when you think about it this way of... The, the Bills didn't have a, a backup linebacker in Milano's mold. You know, they, Matikevich, you know, AJ Klein, none of those players could do what Milano did and does. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense for the team, for a player that, that has been as injured as Milano has been, you know, not massive injuries, but, you know, he's missed games here and there every season. You know, it makes sense for, for the team to pick up a, a very similar player so that they don't lose anything. Uh, assuming assuming Milano misses time, and as it, as it relates to Edmonds, you know they have uh, they have a couple you know players, at least you know uh, um, you know some that we might talk about later that they that they took uh, later in the draft. But you know Edmonds, they have more um, more l- middle linebacker kind of support. Um, whereas w- with their outside linebackers, you know linebackers that can play Will, that can play Sam that Milano does, um, you know, they didn't really have anyone. So it makes a lot of sense for them to, to take one in the third. Um, although, you know, what is, as opposed to the other guys that, that I talked about before is, you know, they address their immediate needs. You know, what is a, addressing backup linebacker in the third round does seem questionable, you know, even if it is to, to back up um, a very necessary player like Matt Milano. It, it seemed a little questionable, you know, considering that there were a lot of at, at least a decent amount of linebackers that had a similar skill set, you know, in the in the fourth and fifth round. Um, but, you know, he's, he's certainly an intriguing player and very similar to Matt Milano. So I think, you know, short term, he's the main backup at, at um, you know, Sam and Will. And, you know, we'll see how he plays on special teams, which I suspect will be, you know, quite well. Do you think now this this pick? I have to say was the most head scratching and this is all based on my own personal opinions. Um, I'm more of a Matt Milano believer than Tremaine Edmonds believer. Um, I love Matt Milano. Matt Milano was the best is the best linebacker. In my opinion on the bills team since like Tequil spikes, London Fletcher, like the bills went through not only a playoff drought, they went through like a linebacker drought, like a linebacker talent drought. It was, it, it was, I mean, we're talking like Keith Ellison, like that sort of linebacker where you're just like, well, I hope he's okay. And they were just, they, none of them were ever good. <laughs> so like Matt Milano was the first guy that came out to me is, is like, this guy's good. And this guy's noticeable on the field every single week he always has a few sp- splash plays and it never seems like he is I and mean, you know sure sure some plays may not go his way but for the most part he's just a solid stout player um on this defense an unsung hero in my in my opinion um especially because they rely on two linebacker sets all the time uh so often um, I, I was always under the opinion that if they were going to get a linebacker, it was going to be like a middle linebacker because they're thinking, well, you know, do we want to pay Tremaine Edmonds in 2023? You and I mentioned a lot of these draft picks like are going to be backups. They're just going to be because the Bills had so few needs that this is a perfect example of a backup. I was just thinking that it was going to be a backup for Tremaine Edmonds and in the future, replacing him. And now it sounds like maybe it's a possibility that sure. He's the main backup for Mamelano. I mean, could you see this being like, okay, well, you want to save some cap space because you're going to have a $40 million cap hit coming from 40 plus million dollar cap hit coming from um, Josh Allen in the next year. Like, 
maybe you save some money. If Terrell Bernard is anywhere close to Matt Milano, you can save some cap money. And do you see it that way? Or do you see this strictly as we need depth? And this was an important position. Matt Milano does a lot. It is an important position. Um, and we just need to be safer there because it's harder to find these guys than like maybe the Tremaine Edmonds and Tyrell Dodson's of the world. Yeah, I, I would see it more as more as a depth option, but um, based on how high the selection was, you know, in the third round, I, I could see it as a, as a future, you know, contingency, I guess I would phrase it that way, uh, of Matt Milano. Um, you know, in, let's say in three years, you know, Matt Milano is going to be, you know, at, at, um, later in his career and, you know, through his second contract. So maybe what the team does is say, you know, well, we've had Bernard here for a couple of years and he's a good player and we've seen how he plays in the preseason and we're going to go with him. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, you know, Matt Milano is going to be traded, you know, this off season, but maybe it's just insurance for, you know, later um, in their later in, in, you know, a few seasons from now when Matt Milano is approaching, you know, his, tail end of his, you know, prime career where, you know, the team is more comfortable going with Bernard, who is just, you know, approaching his, the end of his rookie deal, the start of his, his second deal, um, where, you know, they feel a little bit comfortable replacing Milano with, with a guy like Bernard and to, to save, to save some money to, you know, get younger, uh, for something like that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think from the Bills perspective, it's, you're trading, AJ Klein, who was a backup for, at best, a backup for Edmund, you know, maybe he's like 75% of Edmonds or 75% of Milano. At best, you're trading, you know, an okay backup in AJ Klein for Terrell Bernard, who, you know, we think is a bit of a higher ceiling and maybe even starter potential down the line. Now, Brandon Bean said that he thinks he might be able to move over to middle linebacker. Now, I mean, Terrell Bernard, like, is I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is a freak of a size and frame and everything like that. Could you see that, like, if Tremaine Edmonds goes down, right now I think it'd be Tyrell Dodson, um, you know, stepping in. Do you think maybe he could make it into uh, uh, the the roster or, or into the game if Tremaine Edmonds does go down, or is that, like, kind of a long shot in your opinion? Um, I think he could do it in a pinch. Um, it would be a lot, I'd feel a lot better about it if the, um, Bills free agents at defensive tackle were able to prove that they could, you know, uh, take on, you know, take on double teams and actually penetrate and make plays in the backfield. Um, because, you know, the, the point is that, um, what the Bills want is to create chaos up front. You know, they want their defensive tackles and defensive ends to create chaos. So that their linebackers can, you know, go unblocked and just make the plays. Um, so I'd, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable if, if that was the case and if I knew that was the case. Um, but without knowing that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's questionable whether to, whether Bernard can, can act in that role. You know, I'd be, I'd be a little bit worried, um, knowing what I know about past Bill's history that like Matt Milano and Bernard at both at like 220 pound linebackers. Uh, could actually defend against the run. That's that's a lot to ask. Yeah, you. Pre- I imagine, especially with you know Bernard being in the middle, like you'd want with, with him being so small, like you said, two twenty or so. Uh, you know, needing to have some clear space to actually make those like. And he did look good. I mean, the the highlights that I was looking. I mean, he shoots. He runs. He does remind me a lot of Matt Milano of shooting gaps and taking down the back. You know, the runner in the backfield, um, stuff like that. Sounds like he's good in coverage. I believe you said right. Like he's pretty decent in pass coverage for maybe a running back. I mean, is that maybe how you could see him? Um, making the field, not just as a depth option, not just like break, break glass in case of an emergency, but like maybe getting and being active on the roster on game day as maybe not like a big nickel or what you would say is like, you know, a bigger version of Taron Johnson, but like maybe if they do run a two tight end set or something like that, the other team does, like you could have him potentially cover one of those tight ends or be out there in case like they think it's a run play. Like it's not just a pure five wide out pass position or pass uh, formation. Like this is like, they could potentially run out of this formation. Let's put Bernard in the field. He can cover and also be there for the run. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, say, say if they're in, they're in uh, um, nickel 
and you put Bernard there, there instead of Edmonds and, you know, you want, you know, both Milano and Bernard to drop in some sort of, some sort of shallow zone. Um, I think Bernard has the vision, you know, kind of, and the, and the, you know, wherewithal to, to know what's going on, um, behind him and, and track routes. I think he could absolutely do that. Um, you know, if you want to, if you want to get some speed and coverage in those types of like, like, let's say, you know, third and 10, third and eight situations where if you want to, you know, prevent, um, some just easy dump off passes, um, kind of actually the pass routes that, uh, James Cook would run, <laughs> yeah. um, that, uh, you would run Bernard out there with Milano. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love the fact that, you know, you use that James White to James Cook comparison. Um, the Bills finally getting that. And now they like have a linebacker that could potentially cover James Cook on the other side, like a guy like that in the NFL. So that's because like you said, I mean, going back to the James White comparison, I mean, James White, just you're right. They just crushed the Bills. Like they would always have a pass catching running back that would just come out third down. It would be third and nine. You're like, okay, the Bills got Tom Brady. Just, you know, he would just find a guy that, you know, just a six yard dump off pass and he would just make find a way to get another, you know, four more yards for the first down. Um, very cool. So that was third round pick Trell Bernard, um, linebacker out of Baylor. Now we move into the bills, not having a fourth round pick, by the way, you, you mentioned earlier that, uh, you kind of wish that there were a fourth round pick when you started to see where I believe the bills traded up with the Ravens. Was that in the first round? Is that who they traded up? So when you saw the Ravens pick in the fourth round that they took from the bills, were you like, man, like this, this, this would have been a good pick right that right about then. Well, I mean, they, they ended up picking Jordan Stout. Um, the, the punter out of Penn state. So, um, I think it ended up working out pretty well for the, for the bills. But, you know, having said that there were, there were some other players, you know, that went at the top of the fifth or the, the bottom of the fourth, um, like Isaiah likely, like I said, you know, like a, like a, you know, tight end or, or an interior offensive line player that, you know, I, I thought, well, you know, a fourth round pick would have been pretty sweet. Um, to, to take one of those guys, you know, just as, uh, just as satisfy, you know, a down the line need for the team. But, you know, it, the, the, with, with the, what ended up happening in the fifth round in terms of, you know, the picks we're about to talk about or the pick we're about to talk about, I think it ended up, you know, working pretty, pretty well for the team, um, despite all of that. So the Bills, uh, we mentioned, you know, they ended up having four six-round picks. They had two to begin with. They moved down twice in the second round to accumulate two more. Then comes the fifth round. The Bills move up from 168 to number 148, and they gave away one of those six-round picks, one of their one of their later six-round picks. So to credit to Brandon Bean for not giving up the early one, that which we're going to talk about later. But um, they end up getting wide receiver Khalil Shakir out of Boise State. Um, you know, I, re- I remember when we did our mock draft, you took uh, a couple of different wide receivers, which I think are of the same mold, if I'm not mistaken, of Khalil Shakir. What did you think about that pick, and, and did you uh, did you like it? Yeah, so we ended up taking um, Kyle Phillips in the third round, uh, if memory serves. And to be honest, um, Shakir offers a little bit more than than Kyle Phillips does, um, who we actually ended up selecting. We also, uh, selected an, uh, another wide receiver later in the draft, but, uh, that's neither here nor there. Um, so, uh, Shakir is, you know, he athletically, he offers a lot. So, you know, he, uh, he can stand out in, in many different roles. He can be your slot wide out. He can, he can, he's taken, um, you know, handoffs. Um, from the backfield, he can return punts, which he has a history of doing in, in college, um, for Boise. Um, he can, you know, considering what he ran in the 40, um, he ran a 4-4-3, which, you know, for comparison's sake is, is the same time as Sammy Watkins. Um, he can be used as, as a deep threat. So, you know, to get that in the fifth round, um, you know, later in the fifth round even is, is kind of a coup and, and it speaks a lot to what the depth at wide receiver was for this class. But essentially the, the Bills ended up with, you know, the, probably the best wide receiver that was, that was available at the time. Um, and a wide receiver that, that offers you, you know, all those different roles. And, you know, I think Shakir himself off, you know, he's, at best, you know, he's, he's going to be the, the future replacement, the long-term replacement for Cole Beasley, um, which is what you want, you want to happen. But, you know, at best, he's going to end up something, being offering something a little bit more than Cole Beasley, you know, offering more as a deep threat, more as a uh, more as like a quote unquote weapon um, on offense. 
And, you know, to get that, to get that in the fifth round, I think that was probably the most slam dunk pick in the draft for me. Oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's great news. I mean, I, I, I'd heard something that people were comparing him to like a poor man's Debo Samuel to be that kind of player where you could take handoffs, you could, you know, throw. And the fact that he has speed, I mean, you could, you could argue that he might be the speediest wide receiver on this roster right now, which was, you know, one of the, they have great wide receivers. The Bills have great wide receivers, but what they were really lacking, I feel like was just down the field speed. And from all intents and purposes, I mean, it sounds like that's something Khalil Shakir has now you know, path to the roster immediately. We've been talking about the first three picks, how they could see the field, how they could be used potentially from day one. I mean, Khalil Shakir could potentially see the the field as a wide receiver, either in the slot or maybe on the outside potentially, or maybe just like a guy that takes a handoff a game or something like that, or or a punt returner as well. I mean, where do you see him making, because he won't get the majority of reps. He just won't unless there's a, an an avalanche of injuries, um, which is a good thing because the bills are that deep. Uh, you know, does he become, the bills have really kind of lacked a solid punt and kick returner. Uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie has been off and on Marquez Stevenson has been off and on. Uh, I mean, where do you see him, him, you know, lining up on Sundays if he, if he gets a chance to in his rookie season? Yeah. I mean, it depends on, on training camp. Um, and that'll be, you know, one of the more fascinating things for bills fans to watch during training camp is how they use Shakir, you know, if he can carve out a role for himself as a, as a punt returner. Um, and I think he, I think he can, you know, he's not going to be the most uh, dynamic punt returner. Um, but, you know, I think in terms of what Bill's fans want, which is, you know, people who can safely catch the ball, you know, not fumble and just, you know, advance, advance the ball uh, and, and be somewhat dangerous with the ball in his hands. You know, I think, I think he can do that um, in terms of being a receiver you know, it's, it's tough because Jamison Crowder's there. Um, you know, I think as, as, uh, and Crowder who has, you know, tons of NFL experience, um, offers a bit more in that area in terms of being, you know, the, the main slot guy for the, for the team right now. I think Crowder offers a bit more as it stands, but, you know, the hope is that, um, you know, Shakir can develop into that role and, you know, can, uh, can be a little bit more of a threat in, in that role than, you know, either Beasley or, or, uh, Crowder. And obviously, you know, with his, with his athletic, athletic talent, that's definitely possible. Um, but, you know, his first year, um, you know, we'll see how training camp goes. Um, there, there's a possibility, you know, I could see a scenario where Shakir, um, beats out Crowder and, you know, the Bills are like, oh, well, this, you know, this, They've shown, you know, they've shown that they're very much open to um, rookies taking the initiative and actually beating out their veterans. But, you know, uh, I could see a scenario where that happens. But, you know, do I think Shakir is going to see many snaps during the year outside of special teams? Um, not really. Um, we'll, but we'll see how training camp goes. And, and maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So now we go into the sixth round, the first pick of the sixth round, number 180. You're smiling. I'm smiling because it is, I don't think I've ever been this excited for a sixth round pick. And this was, I mean, we, we were talking about this on the podcast before we had you on, Griff. We always went over from the end of uh, the first post, you know, season pod where, or the, I'm sorry, post playoffs pod where the Bills lost to the Chiefs. The first week we we went over biggest needs and punter was always on the list and then they never addressed it in the off season so you know they're addressing defensive tackle they're addressing all these other positions and that it kind of ended up being cornerback and punter and you're like well they're not going to take a punter in the second round that's just stupid but like you know then you start to hear about this Matariza guy a Matariza guy uh, out of San Diego State you know the guy's just got a cannon for a leg and he's not just one of those guys that you know just shoots a bunch of a bunch of film on YouTube with just clips. It's like, look, I can, you know, kick it into this bucket 60 yards away. You know, like this guy's, it's from what it sounds like, it's pretty legit um, at what he's done. You had him being mocked in the fourth uh, a couple of weeks ago when we did this mock draft. He ended up being in the sixth. How excited were you that the Bills were able to get him and that he was still there in round six? Yeah, super excited. Um, so, you know, I... Some mocks had him as high as, as the third round, which, you know, was a little bit unreasonable, you know, uh, for, for a punter. But, 
Um, I think most mocks that I saw, you know, had him mocked somewhere in, in the fourth or fifth round. So you get him at the at the top of the sixth, you know, the first pick of the sixth round was a little bit of a coup. Um, so, you know, I was super happy about that, obviously, because I had, I had mocked him and, and projected him for the team. But, um, you know, I he he is going to be I shouldn't I shouldn't say is going to be, but he has a he has a very solid chance of being a weapon for the team and on special teams, you know, obviously is he has this huge leg. He averaged, you know, more than 54 yards a punt at one point last season, which is just, you know, insane. Um, and it's, and it's not just, it's not just the big leg. It's not just the, the, those distance punts. He has a, he has a very quick like punting action um, that helps him against kind of uh, rushers that are coming at him. Uh, just like, he's very quick to do it. You know, it's like take one step punt. Good you know, extremely quick. So it's, it's not just, it's not just the distance. It's that he's quick about it. Um, having said that there's a little bit, you know, I think this is maybe why he rat, he lasted until the sixth round is that, you know, he has a little bit of an issue with his punt coverage and his punt, you know, hang time. Um, you know, there's lots of examples of him punting, um, far in, in college highlights, but, you know, a lot of his a lot of his film is punting very far, but then having the returner return at a fair distance, um, and that's because his punt coverage team wasn't able to get down there, um, you know, in time because his punts were so quick. And you know, unless you get it, unless you point it, punt it a certain direction past the returner, you know, at a different a different angle of the field, there's a chance that he catches it pretty quickly and is able to advance it um, a decent amount, you know, a decent distance. So, you know, he's got to work on that. He's going to work some, some of his, on his hang time. He's talked about that, um, during his, his interviews. But, you know, the fact that, that Jordan Stout went in the fourth, um, which is where the, the Bills traded their, their selection to and, and we got Ariza in the, in the, the start of the sixth is a little bit of a coup, definitely. What about directionally? I mean, you mentioned his hang time could use work. That kind of reminds me of Corey. So a couple of things. The- that reminds me of Corey Bajorquez because on, on any given punt, I mean, he could punt it 20 yards or he could punt it 60 yards, it felt like. But then in doing so, what good does that do if you're out kicking your coverage? It just takes them, instead of a 40-yard punt, they automatically get 20 yards in return time because they, they have a chance to return so much quicker than your your uh, your gunners can get down there. And then secondly, the fact that he's got a, a quick kick is good because that's the exact opposite of Matt Hawk. <laughs> he's, he, it feels like he takes uh, a lifetime to actually take the ball and punt it. Uh, there was a big, uh, sorry, going back to directional. I mean, do you have any thoughts on like his ability to put it in a certain spot as far as like, you know, people always talk like the coffin corner punts and stuff like that to be able to do that, which is very important to do. We haven't seen it a lot since basically Brian Mormon as, as, uh, as Bills fans. Uh, do you think he has the ability to do that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he has the ability to learn it. Certainly. Um, but, you know, I'd be lying if, if I didn't say that most of his college punts were just down the middle of the field mm-hmm. um, or, you know, down, you know, a certain hash of the field. Um, but, you know, I think he definitely has the ability to learn it where I think he's where I think, you know, Bill's fans would be interested to learn there is that he's similar to Brian Mormon is that in coverage, you know, he's not just he's not just this punter who's going to be the punter of last resort like a. Uh, one of the things I enjoyed watching about his film is just like, he's going to go down there and hit guys. You know, he's, he's, he's not just this guy who's going to be like, uh, you know, I'm going to wait and see where the, where the, you know, returner goes. He's going to go down there and be like part of the punt coverage unit. And like, we'll, we'll throw a shoulder and like hit a dude. So, um, so, and he's an athlete, you know, is, is the other thing. Um, because he has, has he, he has the athletic talent to do that. Um, so, you know, I, I he's, he, in a lot of ways, he, he's just, He's kind of like the, the Tyler Bass or the Josh Allen of, of punters where he just has a lot of this raw athletic ability that the Bills need to, to get, um, to draw that out of him. And, you know, and part of that too is, is his holding ability, um, because he was the kicker also for, for San Diego State. Um, so he needs to learn a little bit more of the, the holding ability, which is, you know, something that I'm sure he'll work through in, in rookie mini camp and training camp and all those, all those, uh, offseason events. I love that you uh, you compared him to like having the ability to be an athlete, but also to go down there and throw shoulders. That that just reminds me of like a Tyler Bass sort of pick, like a Josh Allen sort of guy. Like these guys don't care 
what their position is. Like they're going to like, like Micah Hyde returning punts. Like we were talking about pun- doing punts. Like the Bills, Bills fans have such a low standard for punts. And it was like, just Micah, just catch it. And then just fair catch it. Like that's all we wanted towards the end of the season, but he could return. I mean, he would, he had no qualms about, you know, returning. Like the, it's such a, it's such an interesting, like cultural thing that the Bills have done. And not only that, the, the ability to bring the most out of their players, like getting these raw guys in and coaching them up to a level where, you know, they're actually using all their raw talent um, and focusing in it and molding it. You know, um, it's interesting what you said about Matter Horizon never having to, because he was also a kicker, a punter, uh, uh, never having to hold for a kick. Uh, I mean, barring any unforeseen injury i mean matt ariza has got to be the punter day one like like they already restructured uh matt hawk's contract they took a year off they're paying him that minimum like he's just a camp body at this point like there's there's no way that they're gonna let matt ariza if he's anywhere close to matt hawk or obviously much better as we're hoping like he is the punter day one right i mean i hope matt hawk is not listening to this podcast um but uh um but yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right about that is you don't, in, you don't invest a high sixth round pick, which doesn't sound like a lot, but, um, you don't invest a high sixth round pick in a punter to have him, you know, um, battle for the, for the position in training camp. Um, I, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to project, um, Ariza at least as, you know, the team's main punter for this, you know, this coming season. So that was one of the more fun picks of the later round. I had to spend at least a few minutes talking with you about that because I can't remember the last time I've been that excited. We feel like we might have even spent more time on Matt Ariza than we did Khalil Shakir, who might eventually be the the starting slot receiver for the Buffalo Bills. All right, so let's let's go through these last uh, picks. Uh, right after that, five picks later in round six, the Bills pick uh, Christian Benford, the cornerback out of Villanova. Uh, thoughts on that pick. I always thought the Bills were going to take at least two corners in this draft just for depth reasons, just because why not take a corner? I mean, if you're late in the draft, who couldn't use an extra corner, especially with the Bills losing Levi Wallace um, and Tredavious White's injury? It, it just couldn't hurt. What do you think about that pick? Did you like it? Yeah, exa- exactly. And and this is the reason why you know I, uh, we ended up doubling up on corner when we did our mock draft uh, the week before the draft is, you know, uh, White's injury and, and, uh, you know, the fact that Levi Wallace signed with the Steelers. So, you know, going, going this position and doubling up on corner was, is not surprising. Um, I'd be lying if I said I watched a ton of, of, uh, Christian Bedford tape at Villanova. You know, if I'm watching F- FCS, um, tape, uh, for college football, I'm usually watching, uh, North Dakota State or South Dakota State, um, for various reasons, um, because they're very good. Um, but yeah, no, I'm interested to dive into, into Bedford tape because, you know, everything that I'm reading is that, you know, he's very similar to Dane Jackson in that he, you know, has the size, um, that you want. He doesn't necessarily have the long speed, um, which is also why it's, I'm wondering if the, if the bills kind of, you know, either leave him at corner or maybe make him, uh, have the, have him do the transition to safety. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to dive into it, into his tape more. Um, just because, you know, he, he, like I said, he does seem like a kind of a, a Dane Jackson clone of just being able to, you know, he maybe can't handle the long speed of, you know, actual deep speed receivers. Um, but maybe he can handle, you know, short zones and, and, you know, more zone coverage or man coverage up to a certain point as long as he gets his hands on you. Um, that type of thing. So, um, you know, he's, a, he's a very intriguing pick for a, for a, um, for a six round pick. And I, and, you know, we'll see how he competes with, with Jackson during training camp um, just to see if he can, you know, carve out a role for himself there. Yeah. I mean, I, at Brandon Bean's press conference, he said a lot of the same things that you just said, as far as, you know, you start him off at corner and then, you know, it's a lot easier to transition from corner to safety than vice versa. So maybe they use him at corner, see how he does, you know, it, how does he fit uh, in this roster? Maybe he transitions to safety because they definitely didn't draft a pure safety. We'll go over that stuff later, but cool. It's good to, it, I mean, I'm happy that they drafted two corners uh, in this draft. Like you said, in our mock, we, we kind of had the same feelings on roster construction. You did, you took two. Um, now we go into the last pick of round six for the Buffalo Bills and the Bills picked Luke Tenuta, the offensive lineman out of Virginia Tech. Uh, what's interesting about this pick is um, I did a uh, poll on Twitter, 
Griff, where uh, I was just kind of curious where Bills fans were. Like, you know, we I mentioned earlier, like 80% of fans thought that the Bills draft was a B plus or an A, right? Like, so we all loved it. We all had high thoughts on it. doesn't mean it's perfect. Like, there's, it's almost impossible for Bean to have a perfect draft. But uh, Terrell Bernard was the most questionable, the most suspect suspect pick of of uh, this draft for the Buffalo Bills at 46%. I had James Cook, Terrell Bernard, and Luke Tenuta as the three options. Those were my three options in my head I was running around. Um, Terrell Bernard was at 46%. He was the most sus- suspect pick for Buffalo Bills fans. But second at 35% was uh, offensive tackle Luke Tenuta. And to me, I guess I was thinking, you know, we did this in our draft. Or maybe we didn't even get a chance to draft uh, a guard. But uh, I was expecting, okay, come on, round six, round seven, like just pick a guard. Like we just need depth at that position. And instead they pick another offensive tackle, which I thought was kind of odd just because we took two last year in the draft uh, when you and I talked about that too. They went back to back with Spencer Brown and uh, Tommy Doyle. And uh, they pick another offensive tackle. It doesn't sound like from the Bills PR standpoint that this guy is going to be a guard. He's been like an offensive tackle. What were your thoughts on the pick? I've been talking enough. What were your thoughts on Luke Tenuta? And did you like that pick? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, in the sixth round, you're just looking for guys that, you know, it, it's one it's one step above, you know, a priority free agent um, or an undrafted free agent. So you're just kind of looking for guys that, you know, have at least some elite traits or, you know, off, offer something that, you know, is, is relatively intriguing. And for Tenuta, Tenuta, it's his general size. You know, he's, he's six, eight, you know, he's six, 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 seven, six, eight. So, you know, and that's, that's a, that's a, a quality that other prospects don't necessarily have. Um, you know, does he have the feet to stay a tackle? That kind of re- remains to be seen. But it's kind of a you're you're taking bets on traits and you're taking bets on, you know, your coaches to be able to teach someone um, how to play their position and, and get the most out of those traits. So as as with any late round position, you know, you can see why was why why the Bills uh, took a chance on on Tenuta. Do I think he's going to make the roster? No. Uh, compared to Tommy Doyle. You know, I think Doyle is obviously he went higher in the draft. He's he's much more um, he's much more polished, even though he was at Miami of Ohio, whereas Tunu is at Virginia Tech, um, and he just offers more upside um, as an athlete. But you know, as a as a practice squad guy, um, maybe even a potential special teamer contributor, um, you know, it's something to take it's something to take a chance on. Uh, and he is very, you know, polished from a technique perspective. Um, so, you know, in terms of other, you know, late six round picks, it's, it's perfectly reasonable. So a couple of things like he doesn't have right now, it doesn't feel like he has a chance to play guard just because you don't see a whole lot of six foot eight guards. Am I, am I incorrect in saying that? No, that that's correct. Um, you know, not many teams have a six, five, six, you know, six, five quarterback. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a little hard to project there, but yeah, no, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of tall guards, um, because you end up losing leverage for various reasons against defensive tackles that stay low. Gotcha. And like you said, uh, right now, Tommy Doyle, I mean, he's already got a year in the league. He had a, a, an amazing athletic score. Um, I'm sure compared to Luke Tenuta, I don't have Luke Tenuta's, um, pulled up, but I remember, you know, from an, RAS score. Um, do you ever do you ever look at those by any chance, Griff? Like RAS scores, relative athletic scores for players. I, I do, and it's it's a useful tool. Um, same thing with uh, mock draftables, um, spider charts, um, and you know, it's just it's this useful like amalgamation tool um, to use in terms of like athletics of athletic score and and background on that. Um, you know, just because what you want it to, what you want those things to be is just you know a check on what you're seeing on tape of, you know, he's giving up the edge a lot. Oh, does he have a good agility score? Oh, he doesn't. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense then. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it sounds like, at least like you said, practice squad for now. Um, right now it's still the offensive tackles, the starting offensive tackles aren't in danger. The swing tackle in Tommy Doyle, not in danger. So every, it's, 
practice squad eligible guy. We'll see another camp body for the Buffalo Bills. Now we go into round seven. Uh, Bale Inspector, uh, yes, Bale Inspector, the linebacker out of Clemson, was drafted with the the last pick of the Bills uh, in round seven, number two thirty one. Um, thoughts on this pick? Yeah, so I mean, you know, it's the it's kind of the same issue um, as the the other later round picks that we talked about, but. You know, Spectre's Spectre's interesting in that he actually, you know, has a a decent um, athletic athletic score. You know, uh, RAS is as you talked about. He he had he has some athleticism to back it up. And you know, when uh, uh, Debo Sweeney, um, the you know obviously the the head coach at Clemson, was talking about him, he had talked about how how Spectre was going to be basically a day one starter on special teams, and. So that makes me think of, you know, Tyler Medikevich and, you know, does, does the Bill staff look at him as, you know, a potential replacement for Medikevich at a, you know, more cost controlled contract, um, you know, do at best, you know, is he going to, to compete with, you know, uh, Tyrell Dotson for the main backup role, um, at middle linebacker, it's possible. Um, you know, what, what was his role in Clemson? His role at Clemson was mostly, you know, blitz up the middle, beat your running back and tackle the quarterback. You know, he was, which makes me think of AJ Klein, you know, is, is the main skill of being able to blitz up the middle, blitz along the side and then tackle the quarterback. You know, you don't want him necessarily in coverage all the time. So what do you do? You blitz him. And so, you know, I think that's, that's his upside, you know, special teams is his upside, but he's going to be a really interesting guy to watch. Um, during preseason and during training camp to see if he can be, you know, thanks to it, thanks to that, you know, at least decent athleticism, can he l- be a little bit more than, you know, just a special team player or just a backup linebacker. So he's going to be the one to watch um, that I would, that I would uh, uh, say to Bill's fans um, during preseason and during training camp. Yeah, that's really interesting. The, the, the position where you think he might be able to take over Tyler Medikevich on special teams. I didn't even think about that route as, as far as starting. I mean, I, you know, we were talking about Terrell Bernard being more of a, a smaller statured linebacker. I mean, where does uh bill inspector fit in that category? Is he more of a, a smaller statured guy as well? Or is he a little bit bigger than a Milano and Bernard sort of linebacker? No, no, he's bigger. He's, I think he's more, he's more two thirty um in terms of weight. Um, he's a little bit taller, um, I think he's six one. Um, so he's a little bit bigger. He's a little bit more like a middle linebacker, you know, think like, a uh, you know, you know, Leo Chanel, um, in the draft. Um, you know, obviously not as big as, as six five Tremaine Edmonds, but yeah, no, he's a little bit bigger. Um, more, much more effective when he, when he's going forward, you know, much more effective when he's seeing, you know, what's in front of him and, and tackling. And, you know, shifting through traffic and again, getting the, getting the running back in that scenario, you know, in the run game. Um, and obviously much better, you know, blitzing than he is in, in coverage. So, you know, he projects in the Bills defense, he projects more as, you know, a, a middle linebacker in the Edmonds role. Um, well, obviously a little bit, you know, obviously less athletic than Edmonds. Of course, of course, exactly. Um, Griff, this has been a, a ton of fun. Um, you've lended out so much of your time. You've written so many great articles. Um, appreciate all that you've done, you know, for the podcast and, uh, and all the insight that you did. This is truly, like I said, I'm not even lying when I say this is one of my favorite conversations. Appreciate you coming on. Where can they find, obviously they can find your work at buffalorumblings.com. He has Griff. You will see it. I believe it's an underscore G, right? Griff, you haven't capitalized it yet, right? That is true. Um, I don't know why, but uh, yes, it's, it is under case G. <laughs> and where can they find you on Twitter? Because you definitely deserve more followers as, as much as, you know, you, you, you talk draft and, you, and you're writing about it nonstop and you cover free agency. It's not just, you know, just the draft, but, uh, but uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Yes. For God's sakes, I need more Twitter followers <laughs> and it's at a Griff four, two, six. And uh, yeah, you're always welcome on. Thank you so much. All right, thanks, Nate. It's always fun.
Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>